Hey everyone, Josh Case here, your online campus pastor here at Calvary Christian Center. Welcome to our podcast. May today's message bring healing, hope, and ultimately transformation. Hope you enjoy today's message. From New York City, Apostle Jim Rayleigh. All right, everybody jump on your feet and give the Lord a praise. Hey, there is art imitating life. How many of you know that would be Pastor Doe 100% right there? Okay, how many of y'all ready for the summer road trip at Calvary? It's going to be amazing. Now, welcome to the Calvary road trip. We're preaching from New York City today, but I don't want you to get it bent. I have got so much deep and profound revelation to deliver. So if you're ready for the word, somebody shout, I'm ready. 1 John 2.15 says this, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all, somebody say all. All that is in the world is the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. These are the three tools that the enemy has. And he used them in the garden. Genesis 3, 1 through 7. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the trees, of the fruit of the trees of the garden, But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat it, eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw, watch this, that The tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together. And made themselves coverings. You know, New York City is called the Big Apple. And there's a lot of people who we just traditionally say that what Eve ate was an apple. We're not sure what she ate. But I want to preach today about temptation. And I'm going to title this message, The Big Apple. If you've ever overcome any temptation in your life and you know God helped you, make a little noise right now. Come on. All right, are you ready to get in this oil I'm about to preach in, precious? Slip up your hands. Father, teach us and lead us by your word. Take us deeper in Jesus' name. If you love the Lord, give him the ovation of the morning. Come on. You can be seated. The Bible says all that is in this world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. New York City is known as the city that never sleeps. And it most certainly, if you've ever been there, is the city that has everything. 
Any kind of food you can get it in New York. Any kind of activity, any kind of shopping, anything you want to do, good or bad, it's available in New York. And they actually call New York City, you all know this, they call New York City the Big Apple. And even though we don't know specifically what kind of fruit it was in the garden, traditionally, people have called that fruit an apple. And if you understand the context of the name Big Apple, in the late 1800s, there was a brothel in Manhattan. And this is where the Big Apple came from, how New York City got its name. There was a brothel in Manhattan, and the madam who ran the brothel called the ladies, the prostitutes, who, who worked there, she called them her irresistible apples because she was making out like they were too big of a temptation to resist. And then gambling and horse racing were very prevalent at the end of the 1800s and going into the 1900s. And the prizes that the people won from these horse races and from these, gamble, from these gambling places, some of them were so big they began to call the prizes the Big Apple. So my point is this, the Big Apple, that statement has its roots in sin and temptation for the city of New York. And I want you to understand something, young person, about temptation. Temptation didn't start in New York City. Temptation started all the way back in the garden. And you've got to understand that the devil works and uses temptation against humanity today. The Bible says in 1 John 2.16, all that is in the world. Somebody say all. The real truth is the devil only has the same tired bag of tricks that he's had since the very beginning. He used these tricks on Eve and he's using them on people today. He will use them on you. And I want to reveal to you the three weapons that he has in his arsenal. This is all he has if you can defeat these three weapons, you will overcome temptation. All the devil has is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. These are the same weapons that he used to tempt Eve with, and that's what he uses on every person in this room and every person under the sound of my voice. The Bible said in the book of Ecclesiastes, it says that the thing that has been is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done. There is no new thing under the sun. The devil is working this generation the same way that he worked Eve's generation. He is working this generation with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. And in totality, the devil has never had any more than he has then than he has today. Everything he has done, all the damage that he has inflicted in the world, everything that he has accomplished, he accomplished with these three weapons, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. But I want to tell you that Jesus will not be outdone. God will not be outdone. He is not going to send you into a war without the weapons that you need to be able to fight that war. 
The devil has the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. But we have the name of Jesus. And that is a name that is a high above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. We have the B-I-B-L-E. We have the Bible. And the Bible said, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We have the Bible that gives us the power and tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. And by the way, we have the blood. Do I have at least 50 people who believe in the blood? Come on now, the Bible said in Hebrews 9.22, and on almost all things are by law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. The word remission there means to dismiss and send away. If you've ever dealt with cancer, what you most long to hear is that the cancer is in remission. In other words, what the doctor is telling you is that we've checked your entire body. We've checked all your vital organs. We've checked your bones. We've checked your sinews. We've checked your blood, and there is no cancer in your body the cancer has been dismissed and sent away now as much as the devil wants to remind you about your past as much as the devil wants to defeat you over where you've been and what you did the shedding of blood has brought about the remission of sin and everything that you have ever done is underneath the blood of Jesus Christ today and the devil cannot overcome the blood I wonder if there's any blood people in the room and you're glad to be washed in the blood of Jesus. Come on and give him a little praise if you are. We have the Holy Ghost. Come on, we're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the angels. We have the host of heaven. Y'all, don't make me come down there. We got wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, bright morning star, lily of the valley. We got the savior, the healer, the deliverer, the provider. We got the ancient of days. We got the way maker. We got the door opener. We got the captain of the host. We've got the lion of the tribe of Judah. We've got Isaiah's prince of peace, Isaac's ram, Job's redeemer, Abraham's seed, the seed of the woman. We've got the king of kings and the Lord of lords. We've got the Lamb of God. We've got the soon and coming Savior. We've got a king that can't be beat. We've got a Jesus that's never been overcome. We've got a Lord that's on our side. And the devil's got three. Pride of life. Lust of the flesh. And lust of the eyes. But I, listen, young person, I don't want to discount this reality. Even though that's all the devil has, he's a specialist in using them. His ability to use them is absolutely incredible. The Bible describes him like this when he shows up on the scene. Now, the serpent was the shrewdest, somebody say shrewdest, of all the animals that the Lord had made. One translation said he was the most subtle. Now, subtle, if you define that word from the Hebrew, it means shrewd, sly, cunning, crafty. But when you study the etymology of the word, 
and really get into its meaning, it literally means this. Subtle means sensible. Now, now you say, Apostle, what are you trying to unpack here? Subtle, meaning sensible here, in context with the devil, it means this. It means the devil has the ability to make sin make sense. I wish I could find a church to talk to. He has the ability to convince a generation, whatever generation is on the earth at the moment, he has the ability to make sin make sense. He'll make rebellion seem right. Come on, somebody. This is how he operates. He'll make that affair, sir, make sense. He'll make lying make sense. He causes lusting to make sense. That addiction will make sense. I need that alcohol. I need those drugs. I need that prescription. He'll make sexual sin make sense. I'm a sex addict. That's my issue. I'm a sex addict. Well, I don't know what you are, but let me tell you this. I don't, I don't want to go too far here. But I want you to understand that everybody has dealt with sexual desires. There's not a man on the planet that does not deal with sexual desires and women too. And if you don't keep that self stuff under control and you don't put it under the blood of Jesus... He'll make addiction make sense. The devil will make rebellion, young person, make sense. He'll make that attitude make sense. He'll make a same-sex relationship make sense. It's quiet in here. He'll make prejudice make sense. He'll make immorality make sense. He has the ability to make sin make sense. But what you have to have is an absolute clarity of who Jesus is and what is right and what is wrong. And you have to be led by the Holy Spirit. How many of you have ever encountered people who actually justified their immorality? They, made, they justified their unrighteousness because the enemy made sin make sense. So how does he do it, Apostle? Well, I'm glad you asked. Write it down if you're taking notes. Satan warps the word. When something is warped, it's not a true representation of itself. And what did Satan do right off the bat in Genesis 3.1? Did God really say, uh-huh, did he really say you must not eat from the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? The devil knew that the Lord didn't say you couldn't eat any of the fruit. But what he did, he warped the word. And he asked it in such a way that it seemed like there was no availability for them to eat any of the fruit in the garden. And that's the way that the devil works. That is his MO. He warps the word. And he wants us to doubt what the word says. Did, 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 did the Lord really say that? I've never seen a generation that is questioning the word more than this generation. 
Did the Lord really say that? Did he, did he really say that? Did the Lord really say that hell is real? Did the Lord really say that marriage is between a man and a woman? Did the Lord really say that rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft? Did the Lord really say don't commit adultery? Did the Lord really say, young person, honor your mother and your father that your days might be long upon the earth? He wants to raise a people who continually and constantly Constantly question the word. The devil is masterful at warping the word. Eve responds and says this, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that we can't eat. He said, you must not eat it or touch it or you will die. And then the devil said, you won't die. Not only does he warp the word, he denies the truth of the word. What the devil wants you to do is disbelieve the word of God. He wants you not to believe what God says. He wants you not to believe what God said about sin, but he also wants you not to believe what God says about sanctification. He wants you not to believe what God said about hell, but he also doesn't want you to believe what God said about healing. He doesn't want you to believe the word of the Lord, but there are some people in this room who have made up in their mind. I can't believe the government. I can't I can't believe it. I can't believe people that are in power, but there is a name that is above every name, and I can trust in the word of the Lord. I need somebody who's trusting in the word right now. Give him praise. Come on. Y'all, I'm, I'm going to teach this thing, but I need somebody right now. Some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. If you are trusting in the word, give God some praise right now. We now, can I preach like I want to? We, we now have pseudo-theologians. They're really biblical babies. Come on, somebody. And they are deconstructing their faith. And they are deconstructing the Word. And they're trying to systematically take their faith apart and take their, the Word of God apart. And they want to, they, 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 they want to scrutinize it and reject the parts of it that make them uncomfortable and it's not really it's not really deconstruction it's demolition y'all if i had time to stay here i would because i feel like preaching like an apostle this morning come on we've got a generation of preachers now that are so afraid to stand against the wiles of the enemy that they are deconstructing the word and trying to make the Bible say things that it never said. But there is a generation that is rising up that say, preach truth. We are hungry for truth. Preach righteousness. Preach justice. <laughs> now remember... What the original text said in 1 John. Anybody, any, you still tracking with me? We're now in the garden. We're now seeing the encounter that Eve had with the serpent when the enemy shows up on the scene. And he reveals all of his weapons in that short conversation with Eve. 
the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. First thing that we're going to talk about for a few minutes is the lust of the flesh. Genesis 3, 6 says, And when the woman saw that it was good for food, lust of the flesh, she said, My flesh wants it. My flesh desires it. The first trick the enemy used against the woman and against all humanity was he spoke to her appetites. He spoke to her desires. He spoke to, our, to her hunger. If you want to know where somebody is headed, check out what they're hungry for. Come on, somebody. He spoke to her flesh. And young person, he still speaks to that fleshly hunger today. He still speaks to your appetites. He still wins people by the billions by controlling their appetites. Not only an appetite for food, but it can be an appetite for sex, for popularity. For self-gratification, for drugs, for alcohol. Come on, how about this? Here's one big in the kingdom for people who have opportunity. It's an appetite for for stages. It's an appetite for power. It's an appetite for influence. It's an appetite for control. And you begin to hunger for things. And you begin to hunger for opportunities more than you hunger for the word of the Lord. But I truly believe that God is raising up now a generation who say, Lord, I'm hungry for your word. I'm hungry to walk in submission to your word. Is there anybody here that's hungry for Jesus? If you're hungry for Jesus, give him praise right now. The Bible said, wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. Look at verse 3 in Ephesians 2. Among whom? We also had our conversation in times past in the what? The lust of our flesh. There it is, the lust of the flesh. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind and were by nature children of wrath and disobedience, even as others. Now the word flesh there, if you define it, it means the carnal, sinful nature the cravings, the part of a man apart from God's influence, opposed to God's word and prone to sin. It's that part of us that is hungry for things that contradict the word. And I want you to look at what the text said. Fulfilling, fulfilling the lust of the flesh. Look at me right in the eyes. Fully filling the lust of the flesh. I want to tell you something, young person. I've lived a long time. I'm 59 years old. I'll soon, I'm, I'm halfway on my way to 60, but I'm young. Come on, y'all. And I'm only getting started. And I feel like even at 59, I'm more dangerous to the enemy than I've ever been. I said I'm more dangerous and deadly to the enemy than I've ever been. You know why? Because I've been through some stuff. I've seen the Lord make a way right out of no way. I know what God can do. And the devil only thought 
that I was dangerous in my 30s and 40s. Maybe in my 60s and 70s, if God gives me life, I'm going to kick that dog in the teeth every day that I live because I know that the way maker is on my side. So I've lived long enough that I can talk about some stuff. <laughs> Fully feeling, the Bible said, the lust of the flesh. Listen to me, young person. Listen to me, dad. Listen to me, mom. The flesh is never satisfied. No matter how much porn you show it, where are the real people at? It'll want more. No matter how many immoral relationships you give it, it wants more. No matter how many drugs you take, it wants more. No matter how much alcohol you drink, it wants more. Hear me. You cannot control your flesh outside of the power of Jesus Christ and walk in obedience to his word. Can, can, I, can, I, can I preach like a father today? If I can preach like a father, let me hear from you right now. If I can preach like a father today. I want to talk to a generation who needs to understand that there are consequences to behavior. That you cannot afford to make permanent decisions with temporary people. And if you don't get that flesh under control, you'll find yourself having to live with an STD. It's quiet in here. You'll go through the trauma of being pregnant to a man that don't want to have nothing to do with you and won't pay child support and never thinks twice about marrying you because in the end, you were not the person that he loved. You were just another girl that he could have. Help me, Holy Ghost. You will spend a life addicted to drugs or alcohol. Sir, you'll lose your marriage. You'll lose your purpose. You'll lose your destiny. This is why it is absolutely critical that you understand that the lust of the flesh must be overcome. Thank you. The bad thing about it is people who are bound by the flesh are convinced that they are free. I'm living like I want to live. I remember when I first began to flow in this prophetic thing, was very young, and Dawn and I had gone to preach. I'm not even going to say where, just in case that precious brother and his wife are watching this uh, broadcast. But I went and preached for someone it was quite a bit of travel, and I just started flowing in the word of knowledge and in that prophetic thing. And I remember that I was preaching a big youth event, and then we were leaving the youth event, and we were going to their church, and I was to preach at their church. We were young then, and we actually stayed at this youth pastor's house. But we landed at the airport and went straight to this event for me to preach. And Dawn and I were there, and Courtney was just a baby. She was almost a newborn. And we were there, y'all. And I met the youth pastor. I met a lot of the leadership. And his wife, the youth pastor's wife, came in. And right behind her, a man 
came in. I mean, they didn't come in together. But the Holy Spirit gave me a word right then and there, my little 20-something-year-old self, and he said, there's something going on. There's something unhealthy trying to happen between this man and this youth pastor's wife. You remember, Don? And I was so troubled about it. And I went back to the room. And I told Don, I said, I have something pressing on me, honey. I said, did you see the youth pastor's wife? I said, she seems like a precious girl. Did you see the man that came in after? And she said, yes. I said, there's something happening right there. I said, I don't know what it is. She said, I didn't see anything. I said, I did. It, it, I, the Holy Spirit just showed it to me. And it was so intense that I remember I couldn't get away from it. And I remember Don said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to have to talk to him about it. So I sat down. After we finished that conference, and I said, I, I just, I, I'm, I just, I'm going to put it out there. I said, when you guys came in, and that man came in, I said, the Lord showed me that there's something wrong in this situation with you and this guy. And this guy has unrighteous desires toward you. And the girl said, it's amazing that you said that because he's been calling me. He's been reaching out to me. And he's been telling me that my husband doesn't have time for me. And that I deserve a better man. And he actually has been sending me flowers. So I said, consider this the warning. The Lord told me to tell you to stay away. We leave the next day. The, the youth pastor that I'm with also leaves the next day, and he goes on a missions trip to preach. While he's gone, this wife and this man began an affair. I get called about six or seven weeks later, and the, it's on April 1st, and at first I think it's an April Fool's thing. And the youth pastor calls me, and he said, Jim, I need to talk to you. And he starts weeping. He said, when I left, my wife started that affair with that man that you warned her about. And then his wife got on the phone, and she said, oh, Jim, why didn't I listen to you? She said, now I'm pregnant with his baby. I'm trying to tell you that the lust of the flesh will always destroy your life. The lust of the flesh unchecked will always overcome you. But when I stand before you today, young person, and I tell you do not allow the lust of the flesh to dominate your life, you stay off of that porn site. You stay off of that website. You live right. You Don't you buy into the LGBTQ plus agenda. Make up in your mind that I'm a watchman on the wall. <sighs> the lust of the flesh. But then 
There's the lust of the eye. The Bible said it was pleasant. Verse 6, to the eyes. Pleasant in the Hebrew means this. Seen with the eye and longed for from the heart. That's why you got to guard your heart, young person. That's why you got to be careful with your heart. I know this isn't popular preaching. I know some people thought, well, Apostle, I wish you'd talk about something else. I'm at a place in my life where I could not give a royal rip about being popular. I have made up in my mind that there is a generation that we are not going to give them up. We're not going to give up righteousness. We're not going to give up the word. It's what you see with your eyes. And when you see it with your eyes, it gets past your eye gate and gets into your heart. The woman saw that it was pleasant to the eyes and she desired it. She coveted it. The lust of the eyes is the the second channel of temptation that Satan took advantage of Eve. It basically was this, Eve, her resolve was weakening. She said, it looks good and I want it. It's what I want. What harm could befall me? It can't hurt me. I want it. I, I just desire it. What, what would one little bite do? What, just, just let me entertain it. What, what would one little taste do? Seizing the opportunity, the devil said, he hissed at her, you won't surely die. Don't listen to God. He's just trying to deny you some of God some of life's great pleasures there are no serious consequences don't worry about it and I want to tell you that the devil works the same way he'll tell you there's no consequences he'll tell you you deserve it he'll tell you do whatever you want to do the lust of the eyes suddenly draws us away from the word of God and eats our confidence away in him we see what the world has to offer and we desire it we want it young person you want it more than you want a relationship with God you better be careful we begin to place more credence and perspective in our lives on what we see and what we want than the word of the Lord fueled by the lust of what we see we grab for all we can get tempting lies have changed have not changed since original sin go ahead do it you know you want it you know you deserve it everybody else is doing it everybody else is partaking of it why should you be different who would know if you did you can get away with it nobody's going to be watching you you can watch whatever you want you can go wherever you want you can do whatever you want but I'm telling you that there has got to be full transparency again in the kingdom we've got to find our way where we don't just talk holiness we live it come on somebody I said come on somebody can I tell you this about holiness holiness is not something that you do for yourself holiness means to be separated Holiness means that I'm set apart by God. It's a part of sanctification. He sanctifies us and makes us holy. Listen, you can't dress, you can't wear something that makes you holy. When I was growing up, man, every if it if it if it if it made you grin, it was a sin. Come on, somebody. I remember when my sister got her ears pierced. Now, this is going to be foreign to some of y'all. But I grew up in the old holiness church. And when my sister got her ears pierced, you would have thought she took the mark of the beast. Come on, somebody. And they were so constrained. 
by mess like that, when you better not wear them pants. If you wear them pants, you're going to go to hell. You better not wear that lipstick. Let me tell you something. I'm so glad that women can wear makeup. My granddaddy used to say, every old barn looks good with a coat of paint on it. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, I'm thankful that you don't have to be ugly to go to heaven. Y'all know what I say. If you got to paint it, paint it. If you, got, if, you got, if you can't achieve it, weave it. Come on, somebody. If you can't do it, glue it. If you can't dig it, wig it. Come on. I'm telling you, that, that's not holiness. That's not the sign of holiness. Holiness is when you say, God, whatever your word says, I'm going to live according to your word. Why? Because I've been separated. You say, Apostle, I can't live holy because holiness binds me up. The devil is a liar. Holiness doesn't bind you up. Holiness sets you free. Let's go a little deeper. I'm off my notes now. Holiness means this. Holiness does not mean I'm free to sin. It means I'm free from it. How many of you would admit, maybe you ain't perfect, but there's things that used to jack you up and bind you up a few years ago, and today you are more than a conqueror. If you understand that, give him praise right now. But let me tell you what holiness is. Watch. Holiness is something that happens inside of you. It's not what you put on. It's not what you wear. Although it'll affect what you wear. That's all I'm going to say about that. I could go somewhere right there, but I better not. If you got to carry a blanket to church to cover yourself up because your skirt is so short, that's all I'm going to say about that. If you can watch anything on TV. Then you're not walking in holiness. I thought you said. My, 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 my zipper ain't down. Oh. People been telling me my zipper down. It's buttoned, y'all. Everything's in place. Hallelujah. I just. It's all in the barn. Can I get a witness? Everything's good. Thank you for tying my shoe. Watch this. <laughs> when you get old, you don't even care. <laughs> you graduate from the university of I don't give a rip. Come on, somebody. Let me, get, let me tell you what holiness is. Are you ready for this? Are you ready, young person? You really want to know what it is? Holiness becomes an outward manifestation to an inward condition. In other words, when I finally reach that place where holiness matters, there's some things I can't watch. There's some places I can't go. There's some things I cannot be a part of because what's inside of me governs my life. We live in a, we live in a society that is so driven by visual, but yet the Bible says... Now, now, the Bible, understand this, the lust, of the, the lust of the flesh, watch. The lust of the eyes represents doing what is right in your own eyes. 
But understand what the Bible says. For we walk. We walk by what? Faith. And not by what? We walk by faith and not by sight. The word walk there in the Greek, it means this. It means to be occupied with. It is a Greek word that means occupied. So what that text is really saying, we are occupied by faith. We are not occupied by sight. We are occupied with the things of God. We are not occupied by sight. And, and, and we are occupied with faith, faith for our future. We are not occupied by what we see. We are not, the, the enemy wants to occupy you. He wants to occupy your time. He wants to occupy your mind. He wants to occupy your priorities. He wants to occupy your everything about you. Young man, he's after you. He wants to occupy your mind. He wants, and then see, here's what the Bible said. Jesus actually said in Luke 19, 13, occupy till I come. See, the enemy wants you so occupied in your mind by the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye that you cannot occupy until he comes. What does the word occupy mean there in Luke? That Jesus just said, occupy means to do business. It means that the enemy wants you so jacked up by what you see that you can't do the prevalent business of the kingdom, that you cannot do the things that God has called you to do, that you're so occupied by sin, so occupied by pornography, so occupied by lust, so occupied by a stage, so occupied by a platform. But I believe there are some people who want to get eat up with Jesus, who want to get eat up with the things of God. Job 31.1 says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look. Y'all misspelled that lastingly. No, it's lustingly. Lustingly at a girl. Men, we're wired. We notice. Men are going to notice women. And it ain't the first look that gets you in trouble. Here we go. It's when you humiliate your wife because you sit there and stare. Young person, what's occupying you today? I, I, I'm 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 going to hurry, but listen, you got to do what you got to do. If you got to speak in tongues on a date, that joker puts his hand on your leg, you move it over. He tries to put his hand on your leg again, trying to make a move on you. You move it over. He puts his hand on your leg again. You grab his hand and say, I bet you, home. look, wait a minute. Why? Because you are occupied with the Lord. You are occupied. When you're occupied, you know what it said? You said, I don't have room, no vacancy. Have you ever tried to get a hotel and it said every room is occupied? I need the devil to know. Don't try to come at me with anything. Every room is occupied. I'm filled with the hope. If you want to be occupied with the things of God, open up your mouth and give him praise right now. Okay, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye. But then finally, the pride of life. The devil can't get you with the lust of the flesh. If he can't get you with the lust of the eye, he'll get you with the pride of life. Watch this. And a tree to be desired to make one wise. 
One translation said, he don't want you to eat it because you'll be just like God. And it was pride that brought Eve to the place of disobedience. The third weapon in the arsenal of the enemy, according to 1 John 2, 16, is the pride of life. Pride can be defined as this, an empty assurance that trusts in one's own power. It's pride that will cause you to bow to the will of others because you care so greatly about what they think. It's pride that says, I'll do whatever I want, but I'm going to get ahead. It's pride. Oh, I'm, I'm going to talk about it. Y'all hang on. That'll get you so deep into credit card debt. <laughs> Buying what you don't need with money you ain't got to impress people you don't like and who ain't even watching. I wish I could find some people. If you can't say amen, just look straight ahead. Some stuff you're trying to buy, you don't need it. buying a Mercedes and renting a house. Oh, it's quiet in here now. I think I, I, I hit a nerve. Pride. And I'm not against you having things. I'm just worried about when things have you. Apostle, I'm trying to keep up with the Jones. Every time you catch up with them, they refinance. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to say next. I'm enjoying my preaching today. I'm going to go back and watch it. A few weeks ago, I was watching this message online. I fell out in the Holy Ghost. I got up, and it was me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> was... I'm trying to tell you, and I'm, I'm going to try to land this plane. Pride is a dangerous thing. Is it not ironic that even as we speak, we are in the midst of Gay Pride Month? If you are struggling with same-sex attraction or understand that Apostle loves you, if you're struggling with any kind, anything like that, understand that I love you. But I love you enough to tell you that I can't change what the Bible says and I'm not going to try I'm not even going to try. And I began to ask the Lord, I said, Lord, why, why is it that some, some pastors, some apostles, some bishops, some evangelists, they won't talk about these things? He said, it's pride. It's pride. They care too much about what people think about them. But see, if you've got a preacher that can't correct you, you don't have a preacher. You have a puppet. And you say, well, Apostle, uh, you, you really hadn't stepped on my toes today. Give me a little bit more time. I'll find y'all. I'll, I'll. 
Because the truth, the truth is, y'all, I'm not going to allow myself to stand before God one day and have to look at the Lord and say, I cared more about what people thought than I did the validity of your word. You have apostles and preachers. They never talk about prejudice. Come on, somebody. I'm going to just tell you straight up front, you can't be prejudiced to come to church here. You just can't do it. You, you just ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. Pride. It's this, it's this thing that is consumed with self. I want everybody to stay 100% focused and don't allow yourself to be distracted. How many of you are grateful that even if I aggravated a few people in the room, that I actually preach truth today. Are you, are you grateful for that? And, but as I get older, Darlene, we was young when I came here. But as I get older, I think I preach from a place of burden and brokenness and love. Because I know that every time I cover some kind of sin, that I'm talking about somebody's daughter or son. And I don't want you to misunderstand or think that in any way that I don't love anyone who struggles, I do. But you've misunderstood who I am if you don't think I can love you and disagree with you. I, I'm able to do that. It's Jesus in me that causes me to do that. So, so here's the reality. Here's, here's what happens when it's all said and done if you're full of pride you're full of yourself but here's what the Bible says in him we live and move I'm going to go ahead and close but here's what pride will do pride will wreck a marriage pride will forfeit your future pride will split a home Pride will destroy a church. Pride will cost you everything. And what the devil does, young person, is he keeps these apples in front of you, the big apples. He keeps temptation ever before you. But here's what the enemy doesn't want you to know. The Bible says that the Lord won't allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But with the temptation, not before it, not after it, but with it, he will provide a way of escape. With it. All right, everybody stand. Can I, can I unpack this? Nobody leave. If you leave, we actually have somebody in the catwalk with water balloons, and they're going to throw them at you. There's nothing more important than this right here, and I would ask you not to leave unless you're serving in the back because this is the opportunity for people to find their way to a saving Jesus. Did you get anything out of the Word today? 
You believe apostle loves you? Come on, give God praise if you believe there's love. Here was Eve's process. You ready? She listened. She looked. She lusted. She lost. I remember when I was about 20 years old. And man, I was just so lost. And um, my dad was pastoring our church. And I was just in relationships and behavior that I had no business being in. My life was going the wrong direction. And I was absolutely controlled by these three things. And I remember one night, I was at this point, John, where there were some things that were about to go down that quite possibly could have destroyed my entire future. And I remember, I don't know who preached, I don't know who sang, but I was 20 years old, and you would not believe the mess that I had made of my life. And I told my dad and mom, I'll never preach. I've watched you preach. I'm never going to pastor. It's not who I am. I want to be successful. I owned a jewelry store before I was 20 years old. I sold insurance. All I wanted to do was make as much money as I could and be successful and leave ministry behind in the rearview mirror. I'd watch my dad struggle, and I said, I don't, I don't want anything to do with it. But that night, I knelt down, and I said, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'm not going to try to make a deal with you. I've been letting my own self control my life. But if you'll forgive me, I'll walk with you, Lord. And that night, the Lord changed my life, and I had to sever relationships. I had to stop behaviors. And I left and went to begin to study for the ministry. And I remember there were leaders in the church that pulled me off to the side and said, you, you'll never really do much for God. They really told me that. You'd be satisfied to do something small. If you can just live for Jesus, it's a win for you, Jim. Hmm. Well, how, hmm. What people say don't have control over you. Don't let it. The enemy had so deceived me. And somebody's been deceived today. So with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here, you'd say, Apostle, there's things in my life. The enemy is working against me. I'm not where I need to be with God. There's things I need to really get underneath the blood. The enemy has been tempting me and I haven't been overcoming. I haven't been what I've needed to be. And I see the enemy at work in my life, but I don't want him to win. I don't want to be occupied with the things of the enemy. I don't want the big apple temptation to win in my life. If you're not where you need to be with God and you know it, when I count to three, raise your hands. Apostle, pray for me. One, hands are already being raised. I'm not where I need to be, Apostle. If you're going to pray, pray for me. Two, Apostle, there's things in my life I need to get it under the blood. I want to leave here free today. Three, slip up your hand right now. I'm looking for change. Hold your hand up. Hold it up. 
hands in every section. Hold it up. Don't put it down. Even if you're saved and you know you've been, you've been struggling, you've been, you've been losing your way, hold it up. I'm going to lend you five more seconds. If you need to raise your hands and you need to get it right today, it's time. Young person, it's time. Five more seconds. I wouldn't walk out of here like I walked in. Five, four, apostle, pray for me. Three, online, God's dealing with you. Two, one. Now, if you raised your hand, hold it up and keep it up. Come on. Hold it up and keep it up. If you raised it and you really meant business and you want change, there's something about making a step of faith. If you'll come, you won't come by yourself. But if you're ready for change, I want you to come right now. And I'm going to pray with you. Begin to move across the room. Here they come. Watch them come. Watch them come. If you'll praise the Lord, they'll come. If you'll thank God, they'll come. They're bringing the addiction. They're bringing the struggle. They're bringing the temptation. They're bringing, they're bringing, they're bringing the website. Come on, somebody. Look at the Lord. They're bringing the prescription drug addiction. They're, they're, they're bringing, they're, 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 oh, look, 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 look. Here they come. I wish somebody would rejoice on a Sunday. They're bringing that, 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 that same-sex attraction. Bring it to Jesus right now. Come on. I wish you would, I wish you would rejoice. Y'all, this is, this is redemption. Oh, let's make room for him. 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 Come across. Come on. They're coming in droves. They're coming in droves. They're coming in droves. Oh, hallelujah. Can, can we pull him right across the front? Come on. Y'all, they're still moving. There's some young men that need to come right now. God will touch you. If he did it for me, he can do it for you. Somebody lift up a big praise as people are still coming. Oh, hallelujah, Lord. There's so many here, so many here. They're still coming. 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 Devil, you can't have my marriage. Devil, you can't have my future. Devil, you can't have my purpose. This is why we preach the way we preach. Transformation time. It's transformation time. Oh, they're still coming, y'all. I'm trying to do, move forward, but people are still moving. People are still moving. God is dealing with droves online right now. If you need to come, it's time for transformation. Hallelujah. Bless your heart. Mm, that's it. Come on. I'm gonna give, I'm gonna count down from 10, and if you need to come, I want you to come. 10. Nine, that's it. Eight, that's it. Seven, come in under the wire if you've got to. Six, slide in if you've got to. Five, hallelujah. Who cares what your friends think? Your friends didn't die for you. Your friends ain't coming back for you. I said your friends didn't die for you. Your friends ain't coming back for you. Five, four, three, that's it. Come on, buddy. Hallelujah. 
Somebody give God praise. That guy said, I'm coming. I'm coming. I won't change. Now, I want all of you precious people. I need some folks that are altar workers, but I also need my whole staff to come up behind these folks. I need those of you that have been with me for a long time. If you've overcome anything, John, you and Kim, some of y'all that are with me, darling, y'all come and stand behind these. I, there's just so many. It's, it's overwhelming to our altar team. But if you have seen God deliver you or set you free, I want you to come and stand behind these and let's get an agreement prayer. Hallelujah. I want all of you that have come forward to look at me right in the eyes. The, the enemy is using the same thing against you, young lady, that he used against Eve. It's the pride of life. It's the lust of the flesh. It's the lust of the eye. And sometimes the temptation can seem so great and the propensity and addiction towards sin seems so intense that you don't know if you can overcome it, that you get all right, and then it comes rushing back. Let me tell you, the Bible says that we need to work our salvation with fear and trembling. Now, I'm going to believe, God, that you're going to rise to live this thing, but I'm telling you, if you do struggle, you've got to get back up. You cannot quit. But I believe also that God can deliver you and set you free. But it takes this, it takes real surrender. It takes giving it to God. It takes you saying, I can't do it, so I'm going to depend on you. So put your hand right there on your heart, right on your heart. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to surrender ourselves to the Lord. And I want you to raise your other hand right now. You by live stream, droves of you are praying with me right now. I want everybody in the room to pray this prayer after me. Pray, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I believe that you love me. I believe that you have a plan for my life. I don't want anything in my life to keep me from what you have for me. Forgive me. Cleanse me. I'm asking you, Lord, give me clarity. Don't allow the devil to warp your word in my life. I renounce the lust of the flesh. I renounce the lust of the eyes. I renounce the pride of life. Cleanse me. Change me. Empower me. Lord, let me start looking and searching for the door every time the enemy tempts. Give me the power. I trust you, Lord. Thank you now. Salvation is mine. Healing is mine. Sin doesn't hold me. I'm a new creation. In Jesus' name. Somebody give the Lord a praise right now. All right. Stretch your hand toward these. Anderson, I want you guys to get up here. Jade, all y'all get up here. And I want, I want us to move through. Pastor Christian, we're going to lay hands on people. But stretch your hands toward them right now. I'm going to pray for you because I feel this. 
I rebuke the attack of the enemy on your life. Slip up your hands, precious, right here in the front. I rebuke how the enemy's tried to tell you that you're not going to make it and you can't walk in victory and faith. And sir, I bless you in the name of Jesus. I bless you, young lady. And I bless you, sir. And I declare that the Lord is on your side. Slip up your hands right now and no weapon formed against you shall prosper. I declare that something about today transforms you forever. And I don't want you to rush out now, you that's come forward. I want you to take a moment and let people pray for you. Let some of the staff move through. Let me move through and lay hands on you. You that are here, don't forget that Friday we're going to be releasing that that uh, song, uh, Glory Hallelujah. And we're also going to have young adults tonight. But slip up your hands. Father, in Jesus' name, I bless those that are here. I bless those online who gave their hearts to Jesus. If you gave your heart to Jesus, just, just put a little comment in there that says salvation. And I bless you in the name of the Lord. If you receive today, come on, give the Lord a praise. I want you guys to worship. If you're visiting, stop with us in the back. I'm going to come down and pray with some people. Sing, baby. Thank you for joining us for today's message. You can continue to be part of all that God is doing here at Calvary Christian Center. You can text to give at 386-866-3060, or you can visit calvaryfl.com slash give. We would love for you to subscribe to our podcast and also to share this podcast with your community, your family, and your friends. You can also stay connected by following us on social media at Calvary FL and by subscribing to our YouTube channel. Again, thank you for joining us.